Thank you for that, Rob, and for serving as our guest organist while Evan is away on vacation. Good morning, friends, and welcome to our 8.30 service on this, the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. One's going to be here in no time, friends. Uh, it's good to worship together. Good uh, Welcome to those of you in the room, those of you joining us online. It's good to be together. Uh, we've got a lot of things coming up where you can participate. I thought I would mention this one. Uh, this Wednesday, uh, I'm teaching a, a Bible time at 11 a.m., repeating it at 7 p.m. It's called The Bible and Marriage, but it's not like how to have a happy marriage. It's rehearsing the Bible's very quirky, odd stories about human relationships, and it's the kind of thing that God wants all of us to ponder and be puzzled by and grow from. So I hope that you'll uh, come for that. Uh, by the way, I'm James Howell. I'm one of the pastors. I'm up front with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. Good morning. It's so good to see you in worship. Uh, if you are visiting with us or if you're here every Sunday, we're so happy to hear you, uh, see you, and we would love for you to let us know that you're here. Uh, we have a QR code on the back of our bulletin, and we also have hospitality pads that we would love for you to sign in and let us know how we can be in prayer and connect with you. Um, as we prepare for Lent, we encourage you to look at the bulletin about all the things happening in the life of our church. But let us continue on in worship today.
Friends, let us continue to raise our voices as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your hymnal on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. friends. Um, eight years ago, a bright light came into our church family, Nathan Arledge. Oh, well, you did the head thing. Okay, all right. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> and Nathan has been a uh, great pastor, a wonderful friend, a uh, shining example of what it means to live the Christian life out in the world where it matters. Uh, in an unprecedented situation, uh, one of our significant churches here in the county, Harrison Church, uh, they're at a big point in their ministry. They need an interim pastor. We're sending Nathan to them. He may stay. He may not stay. This is like a weird thing that's never happened before, but here we are. So he begins there tomorrow. So I wanted you to join me in blessing him. So I want you to imagine we're all standing here laying hands on him, but just where you are, reach out a hand toward Nathan. Great. And repeat after me. Nathan, we are grateful for you. For your life. For your calling. For your love. We love you. We send you in grace. We know you will be a blessing. We will pray for you. We will pray for the Harrison Church. We will pray for your family. You will always be one of us. Join me in uh, expressing gratitude. As we celebrate our community, let us remember that one of the things we get to do together is pray our prayer of confession each week in the safety of with one another. So let us go to God. Gracious God, 
Our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too hidden even to realize, and too deep to undo. Forgive what we hesitate to name, what our hearts can no longer bear. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow into your likeness. Amen. Church, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with the 21st verse. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in? Who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing? To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 30. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever, and immediately they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered together about the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Cameron, thank you for that reading. The first one uh, helps us travel back in time to the 6th century B.C. and 
place that today we call Iraq, the Israelites have been compelled to live hundreds of miles from home under basic house arrest, totally impoverished conditions. They thought they would never return home. They'd given up all hope. They felt their way was hidden from God. Isaiah says, you feel your way is hidden from God. They have good cause to feel such a thing. I love the text. I love the text for those who are weary, for those who feel disregarded. The text takes me uh, back in time to another place, not to the 6th century B.C., uh, but to my college days. I have told some of you this story before. I was a totally heathen person in college and um, had some friends that went to this church nearby, and they kept inviting me to go, and I was like, no, no, I'm not a church guy. Finally, I went one time, and... I'll be honest, I thought, man, I'm going to come back. And the reason was, I looked around like, there are a lot of like, very attractive women here. Like, okay, this is great. But also, that group had this tremendous uh, joy. They were, they were like trying to be all in for God. Like, I'm not sure I'd ever seen that in the few churches that I'd attended uh, in my life. And they, they did, had great singing, and they sang a song to this text. And I started to try to reproduce it for you, but it's, it's real snazzy. It's like, those who wait on the Lord shall renew. And it's just great. <laughs> Maybe next week we can. And it occurs to me in thinking back, we sang that song, and I doubt many of us, we were like 19 and 20-year-olds. Did we know anything about feeling forsaken by God? Did we know weariness? Did we know those things that happen to you after you get a few years on you? I don't think we did. But I still know the song. I still hear it in my head. It reminds me of uh, my friend Tom Long uh, tells about uh, making a pastoral visit to a hospital to a man who was dying. And uh, as he entered the room, he heard music and the family was gathered around the bedside and they were singing uh, I forget what, something like, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Uh, then they sang another hymn of, of hope and God's love. and It was just so moving. This man's dying moments, he heard the great hymns of the church. He, he came out. He has a son who doesn't attend church. He said he got on his cell phone, and he called his son and said, You have to start going to church because when I'm dying, you need to know these songs. Like you can learn a song and then it can sustain you at another hour when you really need it. I love that. And the mounting up with wings like eagles, I mean, I wonder if uh, Tolkien was thinking of that when he had the big climactic scene in The Lord of the Rings where Sam and Frodo have finally made their way uh, to Mount Doom and they're totally lost, can't get away, but then these eagles soar in and lift them up and take them home to Rivendell. So beautiful. Jesus in Mark chapter 1 says, All who were possessed by many demons, that's who Jesus went after. <laughs> that whole thing of demon possession. I mean, I wonder if Jesus wanted not just to cure the people with demons, but to cure the people of thinking that people were possessed by something as evil as demons. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. Kate Bowler was here on Monday, the amazing Kate Bowler program started at 7 at 5 o'clock. We had a long line outside. Crazy. Hundreds of people came to hear Kate Bowler. The favorite thing I think that she and I talked about was how uh, you tend to think religion ought to be a good thing, but sometimes religion can be a toxic thing. There are toxic forms of religion that actually do you more harm than good, but you're trying to turn to God, but you have some toxic view of God, and does that really help you? Jesus comes to the home of Peter's mother-in-law, and she's sick. 
All the way it describes it, he takes her by the hand. And hopefully one of the things we learned in the pandemic is that people need touch. People need touch. He took her by the hand, and I read the text slowly this week. That's always a good thing to do Bible-wise. Uh, I would have I thought that he healed her, and then her t he took her by the hand and lifted her up. But actually what the text says is that he took her by the hand, he lifted her up, and then the fever left her. He lifted her up, and then she became well. And the secret to what ails the world is the first thing we need to do is to lift people up. That's the mission of the church. We find who's hurting, who's sick, who's lonely, who feels disregarded by God, and it is ours to lift them up. Our Stephen ministers do that, the kind of people in our congregation who are hurting, and they lift them up. Nathan has led us so beautifully for eight years now in how to lift up the people that society wants to debate or to despise or to ignore. Such a beautiful thing. Let me talk about a difficult thing here, if you'll allow me. Uh, that song, Those Who Wait on the Lord, the, the, the minister of this group, uh, I'd never known a minister in my life. His name is John Yates. He became a very famous uh, Episcopalian. He went to the, from there to the Falls Church, Virginia, and made national news for something I'll mention in a moment. John was absolutely amazing. He took me, an unchurched guy, shy, lost, confused. I was a mess. And he started taking me to lunch and, and uh, inviting me to his home. I'm like, what is this, what's this guy doing? You know, and uh, so I got more and more embedded in this group and loved it. And then one day we were at lunch, and this is literally true. He looked at me and said, have you thought of being a pastor? I literally turned my head like, I thought somebody was behind me. He was <laughs> like, what? So I love John. We've stayed in touch over the years. I owe him my life as a Christian. I owe him my calling as a pastor. But then the sad thing, as you may know this, our church, the big heartbreak in the Methodist church and earlier in the Episcopal church has been a big division over who's included in the church. And one of my heartbreaks is that John, whom I love so much, and I find ourselves on the opposite sides of this divide. We still love each other, but we talk when we're together about what does it mean to be church? And at least as best I can tell from the scriptures, church is about welcoming everybody who's sick, who's disregarded, who struggles, everybody who has a pulse. Jesus doesn't seem to go around drawing moral lines around who's in or who's out. In fact, the only people that Jesus had a hard word, we always think Jesus was so kind to everyone. Not really. <laughs> the people that Jesus had a hard word for were those who felt they were in a position to pass judgment on others. Jesus doesn't like that. Jesus isn't fond of that. The question that we always have to ask if we're going to be a church is, who, who's disregarded? Who's missing? Who's been hurt by the church? Kate talked about that the other night. Toxic religion can be so harmful to people. 
One of the things we think about, uh, some people don't like to think about it, I, I try to, is uh, you know, Black History Month has begun, and that's not our big theme here. We are going to show a movie on February the 15th. It's kind of got a local story. There were two guys that went to Myers Park High School uh, back in the late 60s. They've become friends of mine, but also friends of one another. Uh, D. Kirkpatrick, he's a white guy, and Jimmy Kirkpatrick, who's a black guy, he's a big football star at Myers Park. He went off and lived out on the West Coast and <laughs> did some genealogical research and discovered that he had an ancestor who was enslaved by one of D's ancestors. They reconnected, uh, and they're now best friends. Like, their kids are in each other's weddings, they vacation together, and we have a movie coming about that. Like, that's kind of like the best of Black History Month. Like, how, what do we learn from that? And thinking about that, I'm almost done uh, with a biography by a guy named Jonathan Eig. He recently did a bi biography of Martin Luther King. It was really good. I, I reached out to him, and he recorded a podcast with me the other day. Like, this famous author talking to little old me. It was great. And uh, he earlier wrote a, a, a biography of Muhammad Ali. And yeah, you just, if you follow Ali, he's got to be the world's most interesting person ever. He was terrible. He was horrible. He was wonderful. He was brilliant. He was, a, he was all these things. But what he was was somebody that people could not turn aside their gaze. People had to look at him. They had to listen to him. However crazy it was, people heard him. And of course, he said things like, I am the greatest. <laughs> or he said, I just love it. He said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. I love that. And then in his jabbering, sometimes he actually would speak truths that we need to listen to. I love this. In one interview, he said, I used to ask my mama, why is everything white? The angels are white? Why aren't there any black angels? Tarzan of the jungle. It's in the middle of Africa, and it's a white guy. Like, why is everything white? We have a white house. And if it's black, it's something bad, like I blackmail you or devil's food cake. He's just rambling on all this stuff, which is great. He told a story one time. He said, imagine that there's a house fire, and you're sleeping next to your partner, and you wake up, and you realize the house is on fire, and you look up, and there's a two-by-four hot timber up there that's about to fall on the bed, so you dash out of the house. And then you get outside, and you realize you, you, you left your partner in there asleep in the bed. It's too late to go in now, and you think, oh, my gosh, I should have done something. But, but then the guy some, somehow escapes the house and comes out and says, why, why didn't you wake me up? Why didn't you save me? Like, how terrible are you? You just left me in there to die. Then Ali said, for 300 years, whites have let black people sleep. You may disagree with this, but a lot of black people I know think it's right. Then he said, that's why black people are so full of fear. I love that. They're so full of fear. It's hidden in the founding fathers, isn't it? The founding fathers said, all men are created equal. And what a beautiful thought. And what had never dawned on them was oh, there are women, too. They would have said, well, yeah, of course. Or it's not just white men are created equal, but it's hidden in there. It's like the Holy Spirit weirdly can work in that way, it can inspire even political leaders to say something like all men are created equal, and they're, they're not ready to rise to what it really is in God's heart. But over time, God reveals to us what is in God's heart, and we come to see that all people in God's eyes are equal. All people are precious to God. All people belong in the church. All people are recipients of God's grace. Ours is to lift people up. Two things real quickly in closing. 
Uh, Isaiah would believe, you know, what I want to say now is that uh, the people would say, you know, even God isn't strong enough to get us out of this place where we are in modern-day Iraq now, in Babylon in those days. They says, God created the whole world. If God could create the world, there's nothing that God cannot do. I mean, look around at the wonders of creation. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. It's so stupendous. And if a God can do that, a God can help a people. A God can help a nation. A God can help an individual. A God can bring healing and reconciliation. And then there's this. Jesus, he's got to be busy. He's the Messiah. He's trying to save the whole world. But over and over in the Gospels, it says, Cameron read it in the last verse of the Gospel, that Jesus went away to a quiet place to pray. And you get the sense that he didn't walk there and pray for 30 seconds and then come back in a hurry because he had so much to do. Or you get the sense that, like, he spent some time there. He went away to a quiet place to pray. Nathan and I were talking the other day about what I'm going to preach on two weeks from now and what he's going to preach on two weeks from now. We both agreed there's something that churches ought to be about and that Christian people ought to be about. And that's the thing I've mentioned to you a number of times lately. So often when we pray, we've got a prayer list of people that we know and care about, and we rattle off the list to God, then we're done. <laughs> Or we ask God for favors. We say, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, please hear my prayer. And God loves those prayers. But God also wants us not just to say, Lord, hear my prayer, but speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. That's real prayer. That's what churches need to ask. Nathan's church needs to ask that question. Myers Park Church needs to ask that question question speak Lord your servant is listening who's disregarded who's been hurt who feels left out who feels they could never belong and those are the ones we reach out to we lift them up and in lifting them up we find ourselves also healed, and hopeful. So much love. I'm so grateful for my friend John, for my friend Nathan, the privilege that we all have to be a part of God's church. Thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer. <clears throat> God of all beauty, of all the beauty in the heavens and throughout the world, we sit in awe, inspired, comforted, and hopeful because of what we know you have and continue to create, and that is beauty. Beauty in the sky, beauty in the trees, and perhaps most importantly, beauty in one another, our sisters and our brothers of this world. So God, we give you thanks that you draw our attention to the beauty within. Lord, in your mercy, and God, we seek your forgiveness. Forgive us when we neglect the beauty in one another. 
Forgive us when we gaze at somebody and think, what is wrong with that person? Rather than saying, how might we love one another more? God, forgive us when we trash your world rather than loving it well through adequate creation care. Forgive us when we don't seek the opportunities to till, sow, and harvest your beauty that we, is, that we know is there for all. Forgive us when we do not include and we practice behaviors of exclusion. Forgive us when we don't ask the hard question of who is missing and we sit complacent with who's already here. Lord, in your mercy. God, you so deeply ache for us to be made whole with you and with one another. We pray today that we will seek reconciliation and healing with you so that we may do the same with those whom we are estranged. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pour our hearts out for those who are sick, for those who are hurting, for those who are mourning a loved one. Jesus, you lifted up. Jesus, you have taught us how to lift up our neighbor, ourselves even. So the gift of the Holy Spirit may pour out on us that we might be lifted up this day, that our eyes might be lifted up, that our hearts might be lifted up to see and engage well with those who are around us aching. Lord, in your mercy. God, you have heard our prayer spoken aloud, and you know the ones of our heart. Here we are, yours ready to serve and fulfill the call upon our lives to care for one another. We lift this prayer in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray as a family, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Church family, one of the most beautiful things about here at Myers Park is the gift of hospitality. A hospitality of reaching out and also making sure people feel welcomed here. And it's through your generous ties and offerings that this happens. Um, we want to celebrate that our shuttle ministry, our shuttle hospitality, um, will resume. Um, so if you come to one of our later services, you know that parking's tight. But it's also a great way for you to reach out and say, this gift is back for our community. Give now faithfully.
gifts we offer today serve your purpose in the church, in our community, and in the world for the sake of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.
Church, you have heard the good news. Christ includes all of God's children in God's church. Let us go forth from this place with the peace of that truth, but also with the inspiration to invite others forward. Let us go now in peace.